Hey friends, it's Sophie again, which you've probably already figured out means that Seema is unfortunately still a little too unwell to record this week. So this week's episode is a slightly shorter recording from our reserve of evergreen episodes. And it's a bit of a strange one where you get a full experience of our dynamic when there's no real script or research. So tune in, have fun, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We should be back to normal next week, especially if you send Seema your best recovery vibes. And of course, if you have any content suggestions, sponsorship offers, or just want to get in touch, you can email us at artlesspodcast at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week, gang, and we will hopefully be back to normal next week. So enjoy. It's burnt Basque cheesecake. And I'm telling Pixie, (laughs) Pixie, dogs don't eat cheesecake. Giant dog face. Like a shark. She's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dogs don't eat cheesecake. She's so big. She's like the same size. I I think that every time I'm like, wow, she's like the same size as you. Yes, actually. (laughs) I know, it's so funny. Seema's short. Yeah. Um, But it's also because like sometimes I'll be in meetings and people think I have like a little dog because I'm little. And then Mm -hmm. she'll like climb into my lap. It's like, this is my child. <laughs> but she doesn't know she's big. I don't think so. No, she no. A... They, I think, like all of us, they walk around yeah. like you know, like they're in a child. Mm-hmm. They're just a little puppy. Well, she also has this funny thing. We're, we're pretty sure she's not. She's convinced she's not a dog. Or she thinks she's a cat or something. Or no, I think she thinks she's one of us. Yeah, because mm. like all the neighbors, a lot of neighbors now have puppies. Yep. And they're all like so interested in her. And she's she's like, not Ew. mean to them, but she's like, yeah, totally like, uh, <laughs> what do you think we are? I always are wonder, I always wonder like how dogs perceive people because like apparently we know cats perceive us as like a different, oh no, cats think that we are also cats. No, cats don't. I read this. I just read this actually. Really? Well, yeah, they... because otherwise, because they don't meow to other cats. Yeah, I guess. But they kind of do, though. Like, no. you've seen those videos of cats wearing collars, like, out in their little, like, uh, colonies, just going like, brr, brr, brr. But, yeah. yeah, but they don't make the full meow, though, right? No, they kind of, they sometimes call for their friends. Yeah, but it's a different sound. They speak a different language. I was just yeah, reading this article in Scientific, in something that was actually a source. I can't remember what it was, but that their sound to other cats is different than the sound to humans. Okay, so they must recognize us as a different species. Right, but not they don't I don't think they think like what they don't think is that we are in charge of them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No. <laughs> um but also like it's like how elephants think humans are cute. Right. <laughs> this is right. so nice. I love that. I'm obsessed with that. They're just like, ee, you're so funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> little little Whenever bike, I hear little that, I think... you're so silly. <laughs> I think that they think what we think of dogs. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, that was like my natural progression in my brain where they must just be like, oh, here's a ball. <laughs> uh, just the world is full of like vast wonders that like I just wish we paid more attention to. Like an, an animal can look at us and think of us the way that we think of other animals. That's just really cool. I just love how... We are, um, as humans, so convinced. I always see this, like, when people talk, when I do art history, mm-hmm. people, people, like, 
even people who would say evolution's only a theory <laughs> are totally using evolutionary thinking when they yeah. think of the world, right? Yeah. Because like they'll talk about art and being like, well, this is just dumb. It used to be like good before. Uh, so they see it as like de-evolution. Yeah. Or they think like we l- didn't know how to draw realistically historically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like there's all these things where I'm like, that's you're just thinking in some sort of screwed up evolutionary thinking. But so it makes us it makes us um, dumb to so many amazing like things that happen in the natural world. I know, right? Like I always think about how um, how smart angiosperms are. What's, what are you know, those? Like, so, so if you think of uh, uh, angiosperms are just flowering plants. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, how smart they are. Like, dandelions are the freaking smartest plant. <laughs> like, if you look at the, like, the puff, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is meant to, like, get people to be <laughs> mesmerized. Yeah. Creatures. Seriously, but have you seen the theory that, like, trees domesticated humans to, like, produce carbon dioxide? No. Oh, hang on. Um, so there's this like idea that we kind of domesticated each other and trees like through like coevolution and mutualism and a symbiosis trees have kind of like domesticated us into producing carbon dioxide so that they can, you know, go through their life cycle. How fucking cool is that? It is cool. It's cool. What about like fungus and how it exists like in these crazy. Just like I don't, I can't, how am I closer to a mushroom and how is my earlobe like the same texture and consistency as a fucking mushroom and we're closer to them than like many other living things, but also how are they neither plant nor human? It's so perplexing. Why? It's so perplexing. And how much, like, Why? <laughs> how how persistent they are. Seriously. Yeah, like, it's but, pretty But amazing. also, like, the entire earth, like, all the ground, it's just, like, one giant fungus. Yeah. Yeah. And the natural world shares information across the entire fucking planet through, like, a giant underground network of fungus. It is pretty amazing. <sighs> it's pretty amazing. But also, like, things like... My life is so insignificant. Um. <laughs> I mean, I also am really fascinated by homology. So, yeah. like the Tell idea us more. that Tell us more. the like the idea that um, sharks and whales are formed the, like they shape the same way, mm. right? Because they mm. both need like the aerodynamics. I don't know what the water version of aerodynamics, aqua aqua dynamics, I guess, and yeah. you know to make sure they get through uh, yeah, the yeah, currents. Yeah. But. They're evolutionarily like this, right? Because, like, a whale is basically a cow that went underwater. Or is a cow a whale that went on land? Well, they both had a common ancestor and that split. So yes. they're neither, actually, to tell you the <laughs> truth. This is, this is the worst science podcast I've ever listened to. This is my favorite science podcast I've ever listened to. This is just, like... What else? What are some other cool science concepts? But like, um. so, but I, the reason I think about homology all the time is because um, I also think about how, like, in the arts, you came to the same thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you look at, like, I look at ancient uh, Greek cups sometimes, um, mm. and not kylix, not like the ones that are the wine, like, we're going to drink it and get drunk at a symposia, mm-hmm. but like literal cups in your house. Yes. And if you look at it, 
It could also be a cup that like Maria Martinez made in the American Southwest. She's an amazing Native American artist who is now deceased, but one of my faves because mm-hmm. um, it's blackware. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. it could be something made in um, the 20th, first century in New York City. Mm, and yes. honestly, I got to tell you, like the person in New York City could easily have not seen the ancient one or the Maria Martinez um, and hello, it ha- can't be an episode without you here, Pixie. Um, Hi, but, Pixie. But like that's homology, right? Like we all come to this solution. Mm-hmm. Now that's intellectual homology. I guess I, I'm making up words here, but um, <laughs> they can't hey, express hey, You can, anyone can make up a concept. That's right. Just that's go right. for it. But this idea that these these beings evolve in the same way I mean, you know, like, the, but uh, in, but are functionally different. I mean, it's, it's like, they're not homologous, but if you think about birds and moths, right? Like they, they're giving you the same effect. You know, birds fly because their bones are hollow and moths fly because they're basically gliders and they're not gliders, but they're closer to gliders. Right. Yeah. 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 But, um, but like in the arts, that's to me, like, a settee and a bench. <laughs> they're both long things you sit on. Yeah. And they're solving the problem of sitting. They're just doing it in way different ways. <laughs> different species of furniture. Different species of furniture. Yeah. <laughs> now we are the weirdest interior designer of the podcast you've ever listened to. <laughs> I kind of want to turn this into an actual episode because this kind of like tendential nonsense is kind of fun. Um, it is. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, I'm into it. Um... <laughs> okay, let's keep this. Is Other good. natural world concepts, though. Like, just okay, keep, let's keep it rolling. So, what's oh, I do think um, sampling error is one that somebody sampling error. Do you know the, the so the the idea of sampling error, like in terms of how people are made? <laughs> well, maybe so. <laughs> um, or so I think. So I always think of sampling error and population bottleneck as kind of similar things. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) this just episode is so funny because (laughs) it's so so unhinged. So so sampling error is this idea in statistics that you decide you have a, let's say you do a group of 10 people Mm -hmm. and you don't verify that those 10 people hit all of the possible kind of people because you can actually use 10 people a study of 10 people can actually replicate if something is like um you're trying to figure out if um this subset of people who have already bought this shirt got the right size Mm -hmm. as long as let's say you statistically check that those 10 people hit all of the sizes and hit all of the I don't know, all of the general factors, that can be a verifiable study. Mm -hmm. Now, that study is a very small set, but it's also a small set of a small set, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you planned it out. Mm -hmm. Sampling error is when, let's say, you instead just pick 10 random people on the street who have never thought about that shirt, who do Mm -hmm. not wear shirts. Mm -hmm. They only wear sweaters. Mm -hmm. Who are not even in the gender that you sell shirts in and um, have never heard of you. 
Just totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Yeah. So then you get an incorrect thing. And we Mm -hmm. often have sampling error happening regularly. Like Mm -hmm. when um, Fox News does a poll and -hmm. they just let their people call in. Right. Like that's a sampling error because there's no statistical proof about it. Yeah. So so that that's something I think about a lot. And then specialty. It's kind of their specialty. Um, and po- so population bottleneck is a different concept, but I th- always think about them together. Mm-hmm. So in population bottleneck, you'll have a situation where the population go has only a small set of people who can reproduce. Yeah. So a population bottleneck could be like, you go from having a big population, some of them move to an island, and then they have to reproduce with each other. Mm-hmm. And so then they reproduce and certain genetic traits reproduce more often, mm-hmm. right? Because like you, like, let's say you have, everybody has some recessive trait and then all of a sudden there's only people who have this recessive trait. They're all going to mm-hmm. reproduce together. Mm-hmm. Now, population bottleneck doesn't need a physical thing to happen. Like it can very often happen because of um, being on an island or being geographically split or something. Mm-hmm. But it also can be like... um it can also be um, cultural, right? So like yeah. um, um, you might only reproduce, even if you're in a big community, you might reproduce only with people in your religion. Yeah. So that could cause a population bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have read, now I am not a science person, so this is just like all popular science I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. So somebody, you don't want to verify this, but I have read, and I think this is true, that um, a population bottleneck that's pretty common in our society is the pedigrees for dogs mm. so they're only reproducing with like their mother and their cousin and the blah 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 and mm-hmm, so like like mm-hmm. the like that's why is i don't remember what country it was is it norway somebody just um outlawed flat-faced dogs or maybe it was um denmark i can't remember but somebody oh, has sounds like something outlawed. the eu would do yeah um, somebody has outlawed the flat-faced dogs but there is a population get it that's like bad because like in australia especially in melbourne there's yeah. like trends of dogs oh yeah but yeah having a particular kind of dog becomes very very trendy um, yeah i was know, saying that i'm year or two i'm older than the trend of labradoodles <sighs> i was telling i was talking I about this at work trend too right like i'm older than that i remember it coming into fashion mm-hmm and I was talking to a colleague mm-hmm. who doesn't like dogs, but he's my age. And I was like, don't you remember when they came into fashion? He was like, no, <laughs> I don't remember. So in Australia, it was like pugs for ages were mm-hmm. really, really, really trendy. Mm-hmm. Like they were everywhere. And that's uh-huh. when like breeding practices, I think, became kind of out of control. And there became all of these, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, I think the pug is dogs. the first. Yeah. Yeah. And then now in Australia or at least up until pretty recently, it was greyhounds. Everything was like- Oh, really? Rescue greyhounds from- They're a sweet dog. I know. And they're like basically giant cats, right? Like, um, so they were like super, super, super trendy. Like being a greyhound rescuer, like was a trendy thing to do. Um, That's so sad for the dog though, right? I know. Um, There's a lot of like bedding culture in Australia. Uh Like sports bedding culture, yeah. Is there, but is there a, like, you know how, um, you know, like there's Hungarian, the Vislas or whatever, you know how there's like dogs that are um, domesticated in different areas? Is there Mm -hmm. an Australian one? Like Shibas or Japanese or? I think maybe like the 
blue healer and like the red healer yeah. dog. Oh. So maybe like a variation from like are Australian shepherds from like from Australia? We just call them I, that. But I feel like maybe there's like dogs that bred with dingoes that maybe became domesticated. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But so what does this have to do with art? I will tell you. <laughs> you know, like, where where are we going, Sam? Where are we going here? So <laughs> I think about the art world like this. Mm-hmm. That it is so what happens is the art world and art historians have a sampling error consistently where mm-hmm. they want to pick the next trend and they decide it's going to be this. Yeah. And then what it creates is a population bottleneck in terms of style. And I mean, think about abstract expressionism. Mm. Right. That to me is a classic example of like some people were doing abstraction, you know, Clement Greenberg and whoever else decided that's what's next. Mm-hmm. And it was in some ways a sampling error because they were only looking at very small sector of the art world, New York City. Yes. I mean, totally different things were happening in certain places like California, the Southwest. Like, you know, I mean, and I don't and I'm only talking about America. I would like to think about what is happening in the rest of the world. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. So um, and then what it creates is it creates this sort of um, kind of siloed effect of what art is made. And it makes a whole lot of artists who are working outside of that either, you know, change or often not be able to make a livelihood. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, what I think is fascinating is that there seems to be this idea that these trends aren't the kind of trickle down effect mm-hmm. of a personal decision somewhere like of someone's yes. personal preference like yes that. like as if it's it just comes fully formed yeah mm-hmm. seriously but i think but honestly i think that's kind of how we think about the world around us right like mm-hmm. i saw this i saw a text post i think from tumblr that had been posted on tiktok in one of those like compilation things because mm-hmm. you know how tiktok is like tumblr mm-hmm. 2.0 <laughs> um but it was like, you know, every, anytime I feel lonely, I think about how like every single thing around me has been touched by another person. Like the process uh, of like everything around me existing, like by its very nature has had like a human interaction with it. And then you look at all the stuff around you and then you're like, holy shit, my life's been touched by an extraordinary number of people just through like the objects that have entered my life and the influence of other people that had to kind of take place for those objects to exist you know within my sphere which i think is a very it's quite humbling when you think about it it makes me think of another science phrase which is Mm. in fact not true but i always think of it and i say to my children this sometimes which is confusing (laughs) to them ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny what (laughs) (laughs) i love it i'm always like ah yes ontogeny (laughs) recapitulates phylogeny Can, can you explain I sure can. I don't have that kind of level of hubris. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Thank you. Uh, to say it. So it was a conception that in um, biology, like when we look at the human form in um, in um, utero, mm. we go through all mm. the phases of evolution. So like yeah. we have a tail and then we don't have a tail. We basically go through everything. Now, it has been disproven, right? So gross. Like a little... Um, I know, a little tail. Um, I actually think a lot like about that. episode that. of the X-Files? Yes, yes, that's right. I often think about what life would be like, what how our, like, our fashion would be, di- how our whole lives would be different if we had a tail. 
Oh, mate, ask the fairy community. They'll show you. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'd want one. I feel like that, like, how would you decorate it? Um, I think people would do the same thing that they do with the rest of their body hair, right? Like, they, you know, applicators. <laughs> then you have a rat tail. Braiding. Oh, braiding. You keep it, no. though, right? Yeah. yeah. Would it be hairy, though? Your body's not that hairy. It'd be hairy like your body, not your head. This is the this is the most unhinged segment we've ever recorded. You know, like when you see a cat's tail when it's been shaved. I'm like losing. I feel like I'm about to start crying. <laughs> So, like, the reason I cringed so hard is, is because I thought, like, my immediate thought was not, like, you know, like a full head of hair. It was, like, a balding kind of, like, <laughs> sensation on a tail. So it's just, like, a giant, like, fleshy tail that just has this, like, sparse kind of, like, <laughs> almost like leg hair. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought too. No. That's a, but I Damn. hope it's like I, no. But then when you said braiding, <laughs> I thought you meant like head, like a cat's tail. But people like finger wave their leg hair. <laughs> that's true. That's you true. Know? That's true. That's true. That's true. Oh, um, bud. this is awesome. This is so awesome. This is going to be the best Can episode. Can some ever artist out there please draw? <laughs> There's somebody who already has. I mean. That's very true, mate. That's very true. Somebody already has. Uh, but the oh, reason I... Jesus Christ. Sorry. I was talking about tales and ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny <laughs> is that it's a theory that isn't true, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it made perfect sense, right? Because mm. it, it looks like if you look at it and you're like, oh, that looks like a bird. Oh, that looks like a this. That looks like a that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's this idea that people were trying to make sense of this this thing and they come up with something Um ontogeny meaning the physical form of the like as it ch as it changes of the fetus mm -hmm. phylogeny is the groups of beings right the phylus okay so like birds and avia you know like um yeah 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 cetacines and I, I don't remember the phylums are that's cetacine is not a phylum um <laughs> i can say let me read the phylums to you because <laughs> go for it all right so here we go Known phyla, here we go. Protostome, deuterostome, chordata, that's us, mm. with, cor with cords. Hmm. Echinodermata, um, that would be like um, ech echinoderms is things with spy like sp spiky things, like my mm. echinodermata has always been my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, starfish. Nice. But my point is more that what I think is so interesting about it is, and the reason I always think about it is that like what you were talking about is this idea that this sort of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always think of, you know, ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny because it made sense to people. Mm -hmm. And we put this like frame, we put in, and in the arts, it's constant. We put these frameworks of meaning over things. I mean, art history. Mm. We try to make mm. sense of something and we decide that's right, but it's not. We just made it up. I know. And this is like one of the, it's, I, don't, I think it's one of the reasons like even in high school, 
I remember sitting and like my grade 10 English teacher was doing like a theoretical reading of Shrek. And I was like, I can't take this seriously. Like, I can't do this. Like, please. And Edward Scissorhands, like, just leave the films alone. Let them be entertainment. Why can't we have nice things? Um, Fuck. I do understand that need. Children's media. Yeah, I understand the need from some people who understand the world in that framework to try to help other people use it as an entryway. But I also do understand, like, when I do videos sometimes and people are like, why can't we have nice things? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why to ruin it for yeah, me? Yeah, you would get those comments, wouldn't you? That's quite I funny. Them. I get them. Um, and I do see it because I see why I would put a framework on it and I can see why you don't want to. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. that's where like art history and artists are often like, you know, art history is like, and yes, the ontology clearly recapitulates the And the artist is like, can it just be? Do I have to talk about it? Can I just like evolve as I wish? Can I just like gestate? Like, well, because that's, that's the thing also is like you go into art school and they're like, you have to talk about yeah. theory. And it's like, but what if I just want to make art? And they're like, but you have to contextualize it with theory. And I'm like, but average people don't care. They don't fucking care. Like can't art. Like I just, I don't understand how art can have this whole like commercial you know, celebrity kind of, um, you know, consumable for the sake of consumable culture behind it. And that's like what we're all striving for. But to get there, you can't create that kind of work. Mm -hmm. You have Mm -hmm. to have something that's like really can, you know, has a lot of meaning, has a lot of structure Mm -hmm. behind it, is responsive Mm -hmm. to the moment and all of these kinds of things. And then like realistically you reach a certain point and it becomes not that and then you have people like fucking Damien Hurst well and the thing that's so hard is like I mean this was sort of an unhinged segment but actually it is (laughs) quite the artistic process right Mm. yeah I mean the reason like like you think about like our whole thing about the tail that way that we're like (laughs) discussing and thinking about what does our tail look like and is it this and is it this that is very disgusting but that is how, like, when you're making something, mm-hmm. you go through these, like, we're, like, showing you in live action this kind of crazy way creativity can be made. Yeah. But the problem with it is that it cannot be commodified. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where you end up with the art world, like, coming up because they have to mm-hmm. commodify it. They have to, like, mm-hmm. give it value. Yeah, totally. So if you loved the unhinged nature of our <laughs> lives... Feel free to like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend. Review. Uh, review. Oh, yeah, please reviews. review. We really, we miss hearing your voices mm-hmm. in print. And so also, like, what you're enjoying. We love, and, like, I love getting emails Yeah, we'd like this, to improve. But if you can tell us in a way that also tells others publicly <laughs> how good it and, is. And if you're a scientist who sees that we are just totally off base, feel free to make a podcast about art and we will support you in return. <laughs> be as unhinged as you want. We support that. I thought you were about to be like, we accept criticism, but it's just like, go fuck yourself. You tried to make an art podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. I love that. I think that was great. That was um, so... 
so deeply unhinged, but actually, like, you know, like when you go into therapy and you have nothing to talk about and then you end up, like, extracting like, something really meaningful out of it? Yeah. That's right. That's, that's us. That's the vibe. That's us. And if you want more meaningful stuff, you could also follow me, Seema, at Artlust, A-R-T-L-U-S-T, or... Uh, you can follow me at Darkroom Varmint, V-A-R-M-I-N-T. If you read Neil Gaiman, you will know that word. Um, and... Uh, you can find me on Instagram if you want to see my more professional side that I update very rarely. It's Sophie Chalk Studio, um, but that's where I release proper versions of my artwork. So, you know, go come and support me there too if you like good photography. Thanks for listening. Thanks, friends. <laughs>